This is FemPower Health. Each week, top women's health experts dispel fact from fiction. The most important pelvic floor exercise is not the Kegel. Challenge the status quo. It's never easy to challenge the accepted leaders, and especially if you're a woman. Provide perspective on why your healthcare journey may be so tough. All of that fear and worry, it all upregulates our nervous system, puts us into fight or flight mode, and increases our pain sensitivity. And what you can do about it. The number one thing is you have to advocate for yourself, and you have to be prepared. Your journey to get empowered starts now. Thanks for tuning in today as I interview Kelly Rutan about postpartum doulas. Kelly was a high-powered attorney out of Washington, D.C., and after a really frustrating and difficult experience becoming a new mom, she decided to turn that experience into helping other women. So learn today about what a postpartum doula is and the incredible value they can add to new and growing families. And before we dive in, a quick reminder to check out my show notes where I share a lot of helpful information to supplement my podcast episodes. And if you do like this episode, please do rate it and write a review so we can ensure it gets at the top of people's playlists. And without further ado, let's talk to Kelly. There is a very traditional definition of a doula that goes back to, it is a Greek word. It's a word of Greek origin and defined literally, it means a woman who serves. What does that mean though? You know, like in what capacity? And so we can talk about birth doulas and postpartum doulas, but my favorite definition for what a doula does, and it's something, um, my own mentor in this field, her language, but I'm going to take it and she wouldn't mind me using it, is a doula is somebody who instills confidence and power and reduces fear and anxiety. And when we define it that way, you can see how it can work in the birth field and in the postpartum field. So if you were a birth doula, you would be assisting a pregnant family. Um, most birth doulas are hired before you're actually in labor. So you can, you know, develop a relationship with that family, develop a relationship with your doula. And as you go through growing a baby, thinking about how you want to labor and bring this baby into the world, your doula is there to build your confidence, answer your questions and help reduce any fears or anxieties or worries you have about the pregnancy and the birth. Take that over to the postpartum side. And this is where I do think we don't focus enough as a society on the role of a postpartum doula during the postpartum period. And so in this time, you have a brand new family. This family has just been born in the sense that you did have, you know, a mom and a dad or two parents. We don't have to define families based on (laughs) gender lines or anything like that. We have two parents, you know, they've had their family, but all of a sudden we've dropped a new person. They are learning each other. They're learning this baby. I think the way our society is structured today, a lot of parents, when they become first-time parents, don't have a lot of newborn care experience. We don't grow up in these communities with, you know, 12 siblings and a hundred cousins, and we've all been around babies. Like 
a lot of I us, did though. I did. Isn't that weird? <laughs> I did. My dad who just passed away, he had 13 siblings and they escaped from Hungary and we all lived on the same block. When they first moved here, they were in the same house. I was the second oldest and I stopped playing with dolls because I had baby born like every week. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fantastic. And I think you probably had a level of comfort maybe with a newborn that a lot of people don't because right. we just, you know, we don't see that a lot. And so, um, and, you know, put yourself in this mindset, you've just given birth, maybe your birth lasted three days, your body is sore, you're exhausted. Um, you've never fed an infant before. You've never attempted to feed anything from your body. You're lactating. You're learning this. What do you do? In comes your postpartum doula. And my role is to help guide this new family. So I want to build this new, these um, new parents build their confidence be there to answer questions for them. And through that process of learning the baby, of answering questions, of being almost like their cheerleader, reminding them that they're doing a fantastic job, I'm building that strength and confidence and really reducing these, these fears and worries. Um, and that's sort of like the big picture you know, from a practical side, there's little stuff happening too. Like I'm helping them get some sleep and feeding them great foods and making sure the house doesn't fall apart. But some of those little things that fall through the cracks, the postpartum doula picks that stuff up too. Um, but the big picture is really that emotional well-being of the family. Yeah, I remember still, and I don't, I'm assuming you do a lot of this stuff and it probably varies by family, but here's what I remember. <laughs> I remember um, you making, and I did this after um, you had left, the boiling water, putting the towel in and soaking it with lavender and putting it around my neck. I remember you holding Connor and saying, go take a long shower, like a really long shower, like as long as you want. <laughs> I remember the recipes, the egg salad, the famous egg salad that like, yeah. <laughs> and then um, teaching uh, Connor's dad on swaddling and the five S's. And then the coolest one, which I tell many, many new parents is the list of to-dos. So it's, you yeah. know, all the things that you would love people to help with. So when they come over as a guest, you point them to the refrigerator. <laughs> Cause you're too tired and you yeah. put the list on the refrigerator and it's like, wash the dishes, make some food, you know, sweep up, like whatever it is, yeah. um, put it on the fridge. And, you know, just like, I remember when you were there, I just felt so taken care of and you were right. It was really just like getting into the rhythm, giving some tips and feeling at ease with how do you become a parent? And it is a shame because you know, admittedly, I was able to afford it. I mean, I had to move to North Carolina to afford it because in New York, I couldn't have. And so I think let's just call that, that unfortunately with the American healthcare system, it's not yeah. always covered. So unfortunately it's not crazy. everyone has availability, but yeah. So those were some of the things that I, I remember. It was amazing. Yeah. I love that. And we, when we think about, um, 
planning for your pregnancy. People talk about a birth plan and they come up with this long list of everything they want to happen at their birth, you know, down to like, we want to keep the lights low in our delivery room. We want conversation kept quiet. You know, they think about all these things, they write it up and they hand it to their care provider. We don't do that for postpartum though, you know, and that's that list. I want new parents to feel confident to say, this is what, how I need to be taken care of in postpartum. And so, you know, please don't come over just for baby FaceTime and baby snuggles. We've got that covered. <laughs> like I can hold my baby, but I need you to help take care of me on a whole. And so I do love, you know, giving new parents the permission to, to do this. I think every new parent should feel like it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. And no, specific you, about it too. Yeah. No, you were great about that. And, you know, it's funny um, on Instagram, you know, now everyone's posting all these different things to share the truth about what happens behind the scenes with parenting. And for a while there, there are all these pictures being posted where it would be the mom on the bed in the hospital, like feeling in pain or sad or whatever. And everyone is holding the baby and the mom mm-hmm. is just there by herself and, um, you know, I think that's just so important to know. And by the way, funny story, you're, you're absolutely right about the birth plan. Like I had one and we I don't know if you do. remember, mine was out the window. The doula got there late. The birth yeah. photographer got there late. No one made it because all of a sudden I wake up and I'm in labor and here I'm thinking this is normal because everyone talks about how awful it is. And apparently it was really, really bad because literally he was about to pop out. So no one made it. And I made the whole plan, never opened the birth bag, even the entire time I was in the hospital. And you're right. Postpartum was like, it was, it was missed as far as planning, but, you know, thankfully I found you to get it in time. So another question I have is around training, because what I don't want people to not to, to better understand is I don't want them to assume that this is like a psychology session or any, I mean, this is like, there's serious training that goes into this. And as a result of that, the doulas, regardless of the role they play, really do have the proper background and education. And I think also with our society becoming so medically oriented when it comes to birth and delivery, I think it's helpful to just have that background on like, what is the training and, and how does the, the doula role um, play into, you know, the care of, of this, the family no, that's subsidizing really... the medical system, I would say. Yeah. I think, you know, it's always important to remember, we definitely need training to be doulas. We are not medical in any way. So it's not like we have um, to do a year long training or two years or have a residency or anything like that. It's not that um, specialized because we're not medicalized. We're support. We play the support role. But I do encounter some people occasionally who think they can be a doula without any training because they've had their own children or, you know, they're a grandmother of six. So what do they need training for? And that's the important part because without a solid training, you miss some of the key parts of this job, which is meeting parents where they're at, providing true non-biased, non-judgmental support, 
and learning how to be a really great active listener. So those are the things that without a proper training, I think, um, sure, you can walk into a home and say, I know how to prepare a bottle. Like I'm really good at rocking babies. What do I need to go to training for? But without that training piece, you can bring in your own baggage. You can bring in your own judgments. Um, And that's a terrible way for a family to get started feeling judged feeling like they're not doing this right, Um, searching for somebody to just listen to them. And because you as the doula don't have the training, missing all of that. So the training piece is really important to, you know, again, we're not psychologists, we're not therapists, we don't go that far. But there is an aspect of understanding how to hone what we call active listening skills how to, um, because we're all human beings, process our own baggage, our own life experiences, and learn how to leave those at the door for any client we walk into. Learning how to um, be truly non-judgmental when you support somebody. And of course, um, a good training should also be teaching people from an evidence-based background. So that is important as well. We've all heard old wives tales about heartburn and reflux and getting people's milk to come in and all these things like a properly trained doula will only be giving you evidence-based information and to the questions you ask. I'm glad you brought up about the, the unbiased because, you know, on, on the one hand, for me, at least it was really hard being in North Carolina because I had been living in New York and um, through a series of circumstances, I'd moved to North Carolina and didn't really know anyone there. And my family was in Florida. And on the one hand, I was like, this is great because I don't have anyone bringing in their biases and judging what I was doing. But it was also, you know, sad because, you know, it's family. But what I will say is you saved me because you did come in and it wasn't, it was truly like I was so unbelievably taken care of. And like, if I had a million dollars, I would have just kept you on because I love having you around. <laughs> I'd you know? still be living with you. Right. I mean, it, it was, um, it was so amazing. And I could see like, even if family was around, even actually, I think I did have some visitors when you were there and, um, you know, you did such a good job in helping navigate even the visitors. And so I would say like, even if there's like any families listening who don't have the family support or are a single mom doing this. Like, I, I agree, like having the postpartum doula, I mean, it is basically your right hand to making sure you're taken care of. And you, you just did such an amazing job in navigating all the dynamics. And I think the way you're describing it is, is, um, is so accurate and it was, it was magical. So thank you for making my, my postpartum. Cause I was also very high risk for postpartum depression. And I remember you were supporting us through that. Like yeah. oh my God, every clinician I saw when you came over, anyone was like d- going through the checklist to make sure that I was okay. And um, yeah, I, re- I remember all that, all of it. Yeah, there, You know, and you think about so much is going on personally, and then here you have a baby to take care of too. Um and going back to what you said, that image 
shared on Pinterest or, you know, social media where everyone's focused on the baby and the mom is alone. That's the postpartum doula is there to make sure the mom is not alone. Um, I do like babies. I like taking care of them, but they're not my primary focus through my job. My primary focus is on you as the birthing parent, um, your mental health, your physical health. How are you recovering from birth mentally and physically? Are you getting enough sleep? <laughs> um, all those things. That's the postpartum doula's job. Yeah, no, it's truly incredible. So how does someone find the properly qualified doula? Because I remember in the North Carolina community, it was it was amazing. So I will say, I almost feel like the world, you know, moved me to North Carolina to have the most amazing birthing and postpartum experience ever because the community in the Chapel Hill area was amazing. The birth center, the lactation groups, like it was wow. Um, but that's not everywhere. Right. And I know that yeah. with Instagram and, and other social media, things are starting to become more aware, but with it, you know, you still have variation in who's properly qualified or not. So if someone is searching for the service and not lucky enough to live in Chapel Hill so they can hire you, (laughs) (laughs) what, what should someone look for? Yeah, you definitely want to look for somebody who has trained and certified as a doula. Unfortunately, well, maybe that's not even the word, but just the reality is we're not, because we're not medical, there's no state licensing requirements. There's no federal boards. It really is an industry that doesn't always have the best oversight. So from the personal perspective, um, you definitely want to make sure you're not hiring somebody who is just saying, I'm a doula because I love babies. So ask your doula, where did they get trained? When did they take their training? Have they been certified? Because it is a process. You take a training and then, and the training, we'll talk a little bit about, I think what I would want to look for from my doula's training. But you take the training, you then complete a certification process, and then you are reviewed by the organization that does the training and certifying, and they grant you the certification if you've completed all these qualifications. That would be, you know, the first starting point in looking for a doula, somebody that has gone through a proper training, completed their certification. The training itself, um, I think one of the best questions, if you're looking to hire a a doula, whether it's a birth doula or a postpartum doula, is to ask them what their philosophies are around birth and parenting or birth in the postpartum period, Um, because it's kind of a trick question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And this is how I can always kind of tell. a doula who really understands how to be unbiased and non-judgmental will let you know that they don't have any personal philosophies. They're there to support yours. And a good training will teach a doula how to attune to their individual client. Because I feel like I can support you well, Georgie, and I can support somebody down the street and somebody over here. And they're all unique women doing parenting their own way but I can support all of them because I know how to be non-judgmental and just tune into what they need. A good training will teach the doula how to do that. And so if you ask, you know, what's your parenting philosophy? And I'm like, well, 
I really believe that babies should be on a schedule from the moment they're born. And I'm going to show you how to do that with yours. Like, cool, that might work well with the parent that wants their baby on a schedule. But what if the parent is more free and attachment parenting philosophy oriented, you know? So find a doula who understands the value of that non-judgmental support. Okay. No, that's very helpful. And two, as you were talking, I was thinking about like, someone may wonder, so when do they come and how does it work logistically? And, you know, I remember when you came, I feel like it was for a few hours, like three times a week or something to that effect. Um, And so it's, it's flexible there too. So maybe you can talk about like how that works. And I'm sure your answer is going to be, it depends. The non-answer is the answer. The non-answer is the answer. <laughs> but maybe you could just expand on that because I only have an N of one experience. Um, I, I wish I had more kids, but unfortunately I was not um, gifted that. Thank goodness I have an amazing son. Um, <laughs> You've got the best little guy right there. He is so cute. It really, so most postpartum doulas will be available for support um, during the daytime or at nighttime. Um But again, this is going to depend on the unique doula. I know when we were working together, I was helping you out during the day. Yep. And a lot of times it would be, you know, maybe a four hour shift. Some doulas come for five or six, but we'd schedule a time block. I'd come during the day. That four hours is a good time to make sure that you got time to take a shower, (laughs) have a nap. We could catch up about anything you wanted to talk about. We could work on, you know, helping with feeding, making sure breastfeeding was going well, or however you're feeding the baby. Um, Talk with your partner about, like you said, I was showing him how to do some of the swaddling and soothing techniques. You know, you can fit a lot of good stuff in, in about a four hour chunk of time. How often you want your doula to come, that also depends. I've worked with families that have me come every day. I've worked with families that just need a little check-in once or twice a week. And we also will come overnight as well if you need nighttime support. So that's really focused on maximizing sleep. It is such a vital piece to your emotional and postpartum recovery to get good sleep. It's really hard to be your best self when you haven't slept well in weeks, (laughs) you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's very true. And, you know, I'm remembering now, so this helps paint a picture too, like, I remember what you did was assigned John the five S's. Like that was his job. Like his job was you are the five S master. And yes. so I would, and those are basically the soothing techniques for those that aren't fully aware. But um, so that would be it. Like he, so, cause you know, the mom has all these duties because you gave birth. And especially if you're nursing, you're kind of attached yeah, <laughs> all day long, you're all busy. Day long to the baby. <laughs> and so whenever I remember when Connor, I would just hand him to John and uh, he was the five S guy. <laughs> and that was great. Cause then it makes them feel a part of it. Yeah. Uh, feel a part of it, but then also gave me a break and the sleep thing too. I remember, cause I was having delusions. I don't know if you remember, I had a really hard time nursing and the pediatrician yes. really wanted me to stop. Yeah. And I thank the lactation consultants for staying with me for weeks to figure it out. And it was a really hard journey, but I was delusional. And I remember it was like the discussion of literally you feed the baby and you sleep and mm-hmm. you were great with just making sure yeah. that that happened. Yeah. I remember that. Absolutely. 
you know, it will look different for every family. Yep. And so most postpartum doulas will have flexibility to fit into what their each unique family needs. Um, I have the, the privilege or the honor of working with a team of doulas um, since working with you, when I was just myself, I now have a bigger business with a, a business partner and doulas on our team. And it's a real blessing to have so many doulas that can fit whatever somebody's calendar schedule needs. No, that's um, smart. We have more flexibility to serve a lot more people on the time frame that is helpful for them. No, that's great. And as far as any, are there any like other bits of information you think would be helpful to know? Because again, like I'm asking the questions based on my N of one experience and just what others have shared with me about theirs. But since you, you know, this is your profession, are there other things that you would love women to know that they may not be aware of, but should be for making decisions on, is this right for them and, uh, and how to find the right support? One piece that I feel pretty passionate about because I just think it's missing in our society in this country, the way the U.S. healthcare system works. You give birth and you get to go home maybe 24 hours later, you know, you're not in the hospital for very long. And for the most part, the, the birthing parent does not see a medical provider for six weeks. And there's so much potential for mental health or physical health issues to fall through the cracks. Um, so for people that are hiring postpartum doula support, it's one of the things that I feel very strongly about. We are there to, you know, again, I don't serve a medical role, but I can check in with you and I know the right questions to ask to make sure that you're healing well. There's no red flags for things like postpartum complications that come up. Um, I'm trained to spot the signs of postpartum mood and anxiety disorders. So if we suspect there's something going on there, we can try to get you connected to resources as soon as possible. The physical health of the, the mom, the birth parent, I think gets ignored far too often in this country. We don't have enough check-ins to make sure they're okay. So and even for the, the woman who is not hiring a postpartum doula, I really encourage you to just find some good resources about what is normal and what is outside the range of normal in the postpartum period. So you would know um, it's not normal to have a headache that never stops. It's not normal to be bleeding this much. It's not normal to feel dizzy all the time these physical symptoms that can arise after birth can be serious complications. And unfortunately, most people don't have anyone checking on them to make sure they're okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny because you're right. Like, even as you were talking, I'm like, I went to the doctor soon after because it was for my son. Right. So, yeah, we see you know, I think every, yeah, everyone is so focused on the baby like even yes. I was like listening to you and I'm like, I went to the doctor, but it wasn't for me. It was for, the it wasn't for me. They're no. not there to make sure I'm okay. I mean, it's not that they don't care, but their training is for the baby. And so, yeah, yeah. No, it's a really, it's a really, really um, valid point and important to know for sure. And I think, um, you know, and I think this speaks to everything you're doing with this podcast, which is amazing that there is a critical piece of education missing for women in this 
culture where we grow up just not being educated enough about our own bodies. What's normal? What is not normal from the time we hit puberty through, you know, the childbearing years all the way through menopause? Where do we learn this? It's not taught in schools. It's not, you know, is it passed down from generation to generation? Is that evidence-based? Who knows? So this is one piece where, you know, from my perspective, from the postpartum field, the, the childbearing years, I see a lot of people not understand what their body does after they have a baby, not know that this is normal or this isn't normal and we need to call your doctor and get help. Um, so I, I love that you have a podcast to help people, <laughs> to help women learn like, this is what's normal or this is not like, we need to know these things. Right. And to what I hear to that point is like, on the one hand, you know, when back in the cave days, all the women live together and can help each other out. And now it's like more separated, but on the flip side too, we sometimes get the norms placed on us by what happened in our families. Like one thing I hear a lot of is, you know, when girls have really heavy periods, if the whole family did, Right. That's normal because in the yeah. whole family. So it's, it's just, yeah, it is. Um, women's health is fascinating. It's incredibly complex. And I think one of the themes on this podcast is you've got to just listen to your body and do what's right for you and get the proper support. And that's really the theme with women's health um, mm-hmm. in every yeah. single aspect. So one thing I do want you to share before we go is how you got into this, because I love <laughs> your story. I love, love, love your story. Um, so you have to, you have to tell the audience cause it's so cool. Okay. Well, I, I will try to give you the condensed version cause I could probably talk about it for an hour and we don't have that time. <laughs> so yes, I did not grow up saying I want to be a doula when I grow up. Um, I had no idea that doulas existed for most of my life. I did not know about postpartum doulas until I was in my thirties. So no, my first um, career, what I did in life before coming to this, I was an attorney. I went to law school at American University. I worked um, for a large law firm in Washington, D.C. I did antitrust litigation, um, which people- Completely people related to babies. <laughs> had that. Um, yes, not at all related to anything babies. Um, I was a very, very busy and overworked professional. <laughs> FemPower Health is pleased to partner with the upcoming FemTech and Consumer Innovation Summit. The summit is the latest deep dive event, part of the Women's Health Innovation Series, looking to tackle this growing sector of women's health, having had continental success in driving innovation, investment, research, and partnerships in traditional women's health care by bringing together critical stakeholders. Join us in New York on June 7th and 8th as we channel this success into the consumer sector of women's health. Visit www.femtechconsumerinnovation.com to view the superstar speaker lineup and enter code FEMPOWER15 for 15% off your ticket. Hope to see you there. I Maybe sometimes I'm still overworked and very busy, but the difference is I now do what I'm very passionate and love. And yep. so I did not love being an attorney. It was just kind of 
you talk about like, well, this is how it's been for, you know, like it was just expected I would go on to school and get a higher education and all of these things. Um, but when I had my son, he's 11 now, almost 12. I was the person who had no experience with babies <laughs> before having a baby. Um, I was an only child and Ooh. I did not come from a big family and I lived far away from where my family was at the time. So my husband and I were in the Washington DC area on our own. Um, and I remember have, I, I can like remember almost the night, like sitting in my bedroom with a two week old and him just crying and red faced and meet in tears and going, you know, I can like write a brief that gets argued in an appellate court, but I can't make a baby stop crying. What's <laughs> wrong with me? <laughs> And I look back now and I was like, there's nothing wrong with me. It was the lack of support. That was what was wrong. I didn't even know about postpartum doulas. I would have hired one if I had known they were a thing. Um, I really needed support in that time of my life. And I had none of it um, to shorten the story a little bit. Like we eventually moved back to North Carolina, which is where my family was. I had another child. I supported a friend through a very difficult pregnancy. And it was at that moment, I think, seeing the impact that I had made with her. I remember having a conversation with my husband and going, you know, if that was a job, supporting women and supporting families and helping them through such a challenging time in their life, that's what I would want to do with my life. And he wow. was, he said, who's to say it's not a job, Kelly? Like, just because you went to law school and practice, you know, went took the bar exam doesn't mean you have to stay in a job that you hate. So if this is what you feel like your passion is, let's see what it, is it a thing? Let's find out. And it was, it was being a postpartum doula. So wow. I, I changed course and, um, I don't miss a lot about the law firm. That's for sure. <laughs> I love what I do now. <laughs> You know, it's funny with all the people I've been interviewing and just, you know, observing all the transformation in women's health, especially in the past five years, I feel like it's really exploding. It's, it seems like it's all of us who've had an experience and have said enough is enough and we're one by one changing it. And we're yeah. either doing, you know, small versions, big versions of it. Um, and it's incredible. So I give you kudos and I remember when I met you and I heard your story, I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Um, it took me an extra five years to figure out my passion. So here I am with the podcast. I love it. You know, when, it takes us a long time to figure out what we want to be when we grow up. Why do they ask us that when we're like 10? Who knows? I know. <laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. So what would you say is your greatest hope for women's health? I think my greatest hope for women's health would be access to education and opportunity. I do think that there is a, just a critical lack of good quality education available for most people. Um, and without that, without access to those resources and to the knowledge, how do you empower yourself? I do think that each individual woman should feel empowered to take control of her health in the way that is right for her. If you don't even know what your options are, how do you do that? Right. Right. So 
that would be, you know, more opportunity, more access. That would be incredible. Thank you for tuning in to this discussion on the FemPower Health podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to information that is referred to in this episode. And if you like this episode and found it timely and valuable, please take a moment to tell a friend or a colleague about FemPower Health. And right after this episode is over, please think of one person who might find this episode helpful and tell them about it. And if your friend is new to podcasting, please show them how to subscribe to our show. And another way to support FemPower Health Podcast is to leave a review where you listen to podcasts. And as a reminder, the information shared by FemPower Health is not medical advice, but for information purposes to enable you to have more effective conversations with your doctor. Always talk to your doctor before making health-related decisions. Additionally, the views expressed by the FemPower Health podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. See you next week. And that wraps up another empowering session here at the FemPower Health Podcast. Now, before you dash off, I've got a quick, exciting invitation for you. Please join our vibrant community by subscribing to our weekly newsletter, because it's really your frontline update on groundbreaking women's health research, the latest health-enhancing products, fun quizzes to boost your health IQ, and unique discoveries that you won't want to miss. All of this delivered straight to your inbox, cutting through the noise of social media algorithms. Love today's insights? Show your support by rating and reviewing our podcast. Your feedback is more than just a pat on our backs here at FemPower Health. It lights the way for others seeking guidance and community in their health journey, amplifying the voices that need to be heard. And for a deeper dive into today's topics, check out the show notes and explore our website at fempower-health.com. Our site is a treasure trove of knowledge, neatly categorized by topics of interest and life stages ensuring you find exactly what you need to empower your health journey. And your voice matters to us deeply. Whether you have a question, a story to share, or feedback on our episodes, reach out directly at info at fempower-health.com. Drop us a message on social media or hit reply on any newsletter. Your insights inspire our conversations. And a quick note, the knowledge we share is here to embolden you in discussions with your healthcare provider. It's not medical advice. Always consult with your doctor for health decisions. And remember, the diverse perspectives of our guests reflect their individual journeys, and it's not an endorsement by FemPower Health. Here's to empowering your health journey one episode at a time, and I'll see you on the next FemPower Health podcast episode.